1: Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes
2: close. Obviously, uh, we're gonna need some guys to step up and uh he's a hole that you can't really fill. You know, he's such a great player and he plays both sides of the ice, he's been great on the penalty kill. So um we know guys are gonna have to step up and uh you know try and fill that hole as best we can.
1: I mean to be honest, I don't really think I, I look at it much differently. I'm gonna prepare to, to try to play my best and um, you know, I definitely think I have a little comfort in my in my preparation and, and what I do to get ready for games now, and um, yeah, I, I don't I don't think it needs to change. I, I have confidence out there, and um, I think I can I can take on a challenge for sure.
3: Road trip starts tomorrow in Winnipeg, and then Chicago on Sunday, and of course, life for the next few weeks at the very least will be without Tage Thompson and welcome in with marty i'm brian thank you by the way to all of you who graciously donated your time your turkeys in exchange for tickets this morning i dare say and i have to tell you marty i don't think our analytics department has been all over this event in years past i went digging and digging and digging for numbers (laughs) and you know i got some like I got some cliche stock answers. Let's put it that okay. way. Um, I'm going to say that today was a record setting day. Baseball. Well, it was where we were. It was definitely where we were. I don't know um, if
4: the other spots were as popular because let's face it, Duffer, you and I and Pat Coletta were the main attraction of the Wegmans in West Seneca. Um, so we, like, there's no analytics to back it up, as you pointed out, but the eye test is pretty significant. And uh, the amount of of uh, pallets of like uh, turkeys that we had in the truck, they, the truck was full. We never filled up a truck. We had a second truck come in, yeah, because of that. Um, and the amount of vouchers that we gave out, um, had us in a scrambling, right? So, um, let's just put it that way. So it was, it was the busiest, uh, and it was supposed to be from seven to nine. People started lining up at a quarter to six.
3: It's never been been from seven to nine from the very first time I attended. It always was pretty much in operation by 6.15 at the latest. I don't want to tell people that because you really should stick to seven to nine. But (laughs) at the same time, if people did stick to seven to nine, they would then be cut off at nine. And, you know, it's no guarantee that we would get through as many as we did. But anyway, it was awesome. Feed more Western New York. Buffalo City Mission, Wegmans, Odyssey, um, and of course the Sabres and the alumni. Just a really, really significant collaboration today. And uh, at our location alone, thousands upon thousands of turkeys donated. So thank you one and all for that um the, and
4: the volunteers was, the fur did an unbelievable job like every time you you came into the wingman's parking lot and they're like there's somebody there guiding you one way there's somebody at the end guiding you. like you every year there's somebody that's like where do i go like there's somebody that cuts across oh you had two of them yeah. i didn't I, I i was gonna say we had a clean slate this morning but we didn't so but it's usually five six seven ten of them that are like i came in the wrong way and but yeah. they did a great job today, making sure everybody knew where they were going. It was as quick as we could do it. And uh, so much so that Pat Galata told me to stop talking.
3: Yes. Like Marty, well, stop talking. I'm going to tell you the same thing because we uh, have Turkey talked too much and we have oh. time <laughs> because we have two guests coming up in the form of Seth Appert and Darren Drager. So let's get to the matter at hand. It's no Thompson for weeks, probably less than two months based on what Don Granado has been saying, but no exact timeline. Yeah. So it's week to week. But what you heard from Cousins and you heard from Middlestown off the top of the show, and it's hard to know anything quite now in practice because Krebs is ahead of the team, meeting them in Winnipeg, so he's not skating, and you have Benson slotting in today, you know, maybe for the first time back. Um, you have Tuck in a non-contact jersey, but skating on the on a on what would appear to be a top line. My question is. If healthy, this group that is on the ice today and traveling with the Sabres, would you be inclined to go Skinner-Cousins-Tuck? Or would you go Skinner-Middlestad-Tuck, which saw way more time together last year and, based on that alone, ended up far more productive and had a higher goals for percentage when on the ice than the limited role that has been seen with Cousins between Skinner and Tuck. I personally would have been more inclined to have middle stat
4: between Skinner and Tuck than having Dylan Cousins there. Uh, But I also think that Dylan Cousins isn't at full speed yet after missing a few games and still wearing the shield. So you're going to surround them with what is probably your best pair uh, your best duo up front, which is Skinner and Tuck. When healthy, that's your best duo up front. So you're going to, okay, let's surround Cousins with that and let's keep Middlestat and Paterka working the way that they've been working. Now we're just going to hope that Zach Benson can come in and maybe provide that missing piece. Like Jordan Greenway was good on that line, but the offense and the production hasn't been there. So he does a lot of good things. The forechecking, he kills penalty, but the production hasn't been there. So I, I get why they're doing it this way and I if I read between the lines I see that it's to give themselves the most balanced top six um to have cousins with Skinner and tuck but I would have gone back to a bag of tricks that worked last year well at the end of the season and have put middle stat with Skinner and tuck now what's interesting is we played the sound at the top of the show Dylan Cousins is like yeah we're gonna to have to be aware. We're gonna to have to step up. We're gonna to have to do something more because we have to fill the the empty space uh, left with Tage Thompson injury. Casey Middlestad is like, oh, it doesn't change my game. I I know what I need to do. So if there's two sides of the spectrum here, I think Casey's saying, I'm playing good because I'm playing the way I know how to play. I'm not going to change that just because Tage isn't in the lineup. And Dylan Cousins is. In that spot where Tage would be, so he says, "Yeah, I got to be better. I got to step up. We all have to step up." So it's funny that there's two different messages
3: with those two players. True, but at the same time, if you're being honest, Casey would be far more comfortable with his production this year compared to Dylan. Yes,
4: absolutely. That's why Casey is saying, "I'm good. I, I, you know, I'm my. Yeah. I know what I need to do to be ready. My, mm-hmm. my preparation, my routine. I know what it is." And Dylan is still searching for that. So obviously, he's gonna. And often when they answer questions, you know, Mm -hmm. you either go one cliches or the other and you kind of go down that route. One says it's a big piece. We got to fill it in. Some other guys would say, hey, when men goes down, uh, it's another man's, you know, chance to step up and we have good depth. And I mean, we all hear them, but it's funny that they chose different, not cliches, but answers with their own comfort in their play this year.
3: I think they're supposed to be cliches, but you may have paraphrased them in a way where they sounded unfamiliar to many of us, but good try. (laughs) Anyway, I appreciate the Next man up mentality is a cliche. It felt like that. (laughs) Yes, I don't think it came out exactly that way. Um, So is there anything else, though, that the the group, regardless of the top two lines, but obviously heavy emphasis on those two lines, um, like what else can they do to feel like a three or four line team here at the moment?
4: Well, look. To be honest with you, I watched the Islanders in the Vancouver Canucks game last night, and even it's though another the other Island-
3: game that saw a two goal lead disappear,
4: uh, two two goal lead, it was two nothing and three one, and then Vancouver kept coming back, and they got a five on three in the third period and win it in overtime. But I know Vancouver is a fast team; they play quick. The reason why the Islanders got a point is because. They surprised me in the speed as to which they played. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that, that's why they were up to nothing in three one, because they played really quick. For me, it's it doesn't matter who you are. Don't hang on to pucks, move it quick, quick passes. Like it's a, there's another cliche. The puck moves faster than your feet, right? Like we hear that at, at eight years old, at ten years old. Move the puck, it moves faster than your feet. Sabers have to. All right, there's Bills yeah, interim offensive like
2: coordinator Joe Brady. He will continue on. You can catch that in full in a little and, bit and on our, our website at wgr550.com. We got to go. We'll no, join Sabers live in
4: progress after this over, quick time out. So thanks, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Zone, we'll talk more about Joe Brady in the upcoming game against the Jets. But I still rate now. Stay tuned. Sabers live on the way next. This is WGR in the in the pace of play that they play with.
3: Well, again, it'll be a big opportunity for Olafson to stay warm, um, for Rusek if he is playing. I mean, right now he's slotted in between Gurgenson's and Opozo, but that is a spot where Krebs could obviously step in if uh, he's able to play. He, of course, is in Winnipeg attending a family matter, and he'll meet the club there. So yep. um, I don't know. It's it's We'll hear from um, Seth Appert of the Amherst coming up and obviously talk to him about his best players right now and how, cl- how close they may be to taking that next step. Uh, if, if called upon here um, before we break away to Seth though, uh, I'm assuming that there's less to talk about for you as it pertains to the blue line. We know that Henry yokohari has been under the weather, so they're kind of easing him back in. I know Ryan Johnson skated with Owen power today, but the group just collectively needs to have more of an offensive impact print on situational play and then the end results so as you funnel through the lineup here on the last off day before you get busy again the only other big story remaining is can Eric Comrie come back in and Mm -hmm. play as well as he has shown at times this year
4: well I told you yesterday I feel that as soon as Comrie is ready to to be activated from injured reserve then you play him it's not like, hey, let's give you a game as a backup, you're going to do a warm up. No, I think as soon as Gomery is ready to play, you play him because he had played well and you need to kind of get a plan here with your goaltenders. Uh pekka came back and played well uh in the you know, in the uh period and a half that he played in the last game, but he also gave up a bad goal against Pittsburgh, that made a difference, right? It made it to nothing. It kind of mm. kills you, your vibe a little bit. Not that the Sabres had much vibe against Pittsburgh Saturday night. Mm. But you you need to see where Comrie is at. So as soon as he's ready to play, you play him. Um, on the back end, quickly, I think that, you know, it was a slow start to the season to Owen Power, for Owen Power. And then it picked up, you know, in the middle there for a few game, And then it's dropped off again. And I think when you talk about speed and quickness and pace, I feel like Owen is not playing with much of that in the defensive zone and in the offensive zone. So Henry you really was a big help for Owen in that department. And when they were paired together, it worked well. But I, I'd like to see if Henry's not 100% or not ready to go tomorrow night or – but I'd like to see what Ryan Johnson can do there. I feel like Ryan skates well. Ryan skates quick. Ryan is all, you know, over the ice, coming across with the angles. I feel like that may help the pace for the power, you know, pairing that has been a, a bit on the slower side, especially last game without Yokiaru. Uh,
3: do you think? Um, what do you think of this latest opportunity for Zach Benson? I think to me, it's look. You played well
4: in camp. You 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 were uh, kind of the the darling, right? Coming out like Zach Benson, look at him, look at him. And then it's the NHL. It's regular season. It's different. And you miss some time. This may be the I don't want to say the last look, but this these next three games are going to make a big big uh, you know difference in the decisions of the team to to what they do with Zach Benson. So. Um, they're not gonna dress him to play him in the bottom six. Like if you want to evaluate Zach Benson and can he give you uh, some production and the the ice the quality ice time that you would want from a top six or a, a first round pick, you you trust him on the top nine and a top six, I should say, and that's what they're doing so they can evaluate him properly and then decide what they're gonna do with Benson if he's gonna go back to juniors or stay for the year. So I think that's that's why he's in the spot that he is right now.
3: What is your realistic expectation? I mean, he hasn't played since October 29th. Do you think he's going to come back looking better than he did at any point? Or do you think it's going to be a big challenge stepping in after missing time?
4: I'd love to say that he's going to come back better, but I think it's going to be a big challenge. And and look, it was a challenge even after game two, three, four. Like, okay, let's let's see where you are at. You know, Matt Savoy uh, did not have, you know, a chance to, to really get going in training camp. Played well in Rochester. He played one game with the Sabers, and you're looking, and you're like, okay, we see that there's talent. We see that there's things where he can go, um, but it's not ready yet. I I think with Benson, even though I love the kid, I think he's gonna be a very very fun player, a fan favorite to a certain extent. With how uh, um aggressive and uh, uh, a little bit of a, a pain in the neck to play against, he will be. Um, I. From what I'm seeing now, and I'm really going to look tomorrow and Sunday for a better direction. But from what I'm seeing now, I think you're going to have to look at your depth and Rochester to be able to fill in that gap. I think it's going to be the last look for Zach Benson. Nothing wrong with the kid, but right now, there's the team is not where we thought they were going to be. If they are 9-4-1, and one, it's different. Maybe it eases up the expectation for Benson but being a game behind 500 at this point um, puts a lot of pressure on that decision and, and figuring it out.
3: So obviously Sabres off to Winnipeg this afternoon, they get the jets tomorrow a place where they have won the last two head to head meetings. And then they're into Chicago on Sunday. They'll take on uh, Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks at that point in time. Obviously, Buffalo sitting below 500 right now, coming off of consecutive losses. Uh, Are we getting Seth, or are we waiting for Seth? All right, let's uh, get Seth. And as we do so, a reminder to learn to play. And the registration is now open as uh, we have multiple locations for Sabres learn to play, which includes six weeks of on-ice instruction and head-to-toe equipment for registrants, hockey instruction for uh, children ages four to nine, and, of course, sabers.com slash learn to play. Amerix coach Seth Appert has joined us here on a game day for them. They've got two against the Monsters on the road this week. Seth, welcome back to the show. It's great to see you. Uh, I understand your team is a little healthier than it has been in recent games.
2: Uh couldn't get lot, much worse. So <laughs> we're pretty, pretty close to uh, putting Pager and Vinny in the lineup. So uh, we are getting a little bit healthier. We still have a chunk of guys out. Uh, but uh, we will get um, Michael Mersch, uh, Brandon Byro, Alexander Kisikoff, uh back to the lineup tonight. Uh, despite the injuries,
4: I feel like you guys have been able to create offense. And, and there was what was it the game last week where you guys had all these these newcomers and they all provided some offense in the game. What's been the key to being able to keep that offense going with all these changes, especially with the forwards?
2: Well, I think a couple of things. One, our our leadership core, led by Mersh Prow and those guys, now Byron, Murray are becoming that. Uh, just have established a really good culture here over the last few years. We've been in this situation before, unfortunately, uh, where it's the next man up mentality. Uh, Mershie treats everybody so well. Um, he's very welcoming. It's it's a uh, It's an accepting locker room. So guys come in and they feel comfortable. They're treated the right way by our staff, our support staff, by our players. And I think that puts them in position to be successful. Uh, And then I think uh, Isak Roseanne and Yuri Kulik have done a fabulous job the last two weeks with most of our big guns out um, of being not just skilled, but being drivers of our team, driving our identity, driving our competitiveness, Uh, And that's been impressive to see, especially the age they're at.
3: Are you still um, mentioning them in tandem like you did last year? Because remember when everybody wanted to talk about Yuri, you made sure to talk about Isaac as well. Uh, Do you feel like that's the way to discuss them again this year? Well, I discussed
2: it that way last year because you guys kept forgetting about Roseanne. So, uh, well
4: not <laughs> us. by you it's guys, a, I mean the, the media. Other
2: media. Yeah. Hey,
4: I love how you don't consider us media. I think you set for that.
2: <laughs> uh, but no, I think that Isak's game is more subtle. Um, uh, Yuri's game is so powerful, so explosive. It's easier to be drawn into his game and his, his skill. Um, and his overall game has grown so much. Again, played center in the conference finals last year at 18 years old. Is playing first line center uh, on a team that's doing well right now. So, real credit to him. But Isak's game is a little more subtle. It's a little more understated. Uh, but his his intelligence, his uh, how physically he's playing, how well he's penalty killing at the young age that he's at, have it, all been really impressive. And so um, they all last Friday's win those two had uh, career highs in the American league in hits takeaways and puck battles. And that just shows you the, the growth in their game and that they're willing to be drivers for us in the harder areas of the game, not just the skilled areas of the game.
4: So we uh, asked our fans a question yesterday about obviously Tage Thompson missing some time. And how do you feel that it was a fill in the blank uh, Wednesday. So, um, some people mentioned Kulik, some people mentioned Roseanne, and some people mentioned them together as a way. So I, I, I'm not going to ask you to say, hey, who do you call up first or whatnot, but have you played them together all season? How do they look together? And how do they look when you separate them individually?
2: They've played together this year um, for, for pretty, pretty much every game. Um, mm-hmm. So last year they didn't play together all that often. I thought that last year, as young as they were, uh, especially early in the season they, they needed some old, older guys around them to help them uh, and to do some of the heavier lifting in, at certain times uh, this year I intentionally put them together uh, for their chemistry they're great friends I mean they are great friends they push each other they challenge each other but they're great friends and also, I challenge them that they need to be drivers this year. Uh, they need to do what Jack Quinn did in year two in the American League, which is not just produce offense, but drive winning, drive identity, drive the competitiveness of our group. So, um, and they're doing those things. Um, the only, the times they've played a part this year, just because of injuries this year, we've won 11 and seven, a decent amount. And then a lot of times I double shift those two uh, back with a different line. And so then they'd be apart there. So, Uh, Last Friday, I think Roseanne had 24 minutes and Kulik had 22 and a half. Uh, It was a pretty insane level of minutes in a winning game um, at the age that they're at.
3: It was amazing. Obviously, we were simultaneously having Hockey Fights Cancer Night here. You were in Rochester. Can you just put a bow on that whole experience? Given that, what you just said about the top prospects – who were doing all the things they needed to do, but they did not dominate the score sheet at all. The fact that you had so many guys come in, like what did that feel like at the end of, of Friday night, given that it's always a special night?
2: That, that is a special night uh, to do our part uh, and to help help in that cause uh, and to show so many friends and family members and and people in our community that that they're not in it alone. Um and so uh, to have that collective effort on a night like that, I thought was pretty special and, and uh, said a lot about our crew, you know, but uh, Dom Mersch and Chris Brown and, um, you know, Damian Giroux and uh, Riley Fiddler Schultz, Matza, you know, it was neat to see all that. And it's a credit to our scouting staff uh, and it's a credit to Jason Carmanos, uh, the depth of talent that we have, but also the depth of character that, we do it. We're really careful about the guys that we sign, who we surround our top prospects with. And these guys are not only all very good hockey players, but they're really quality people. A lot of our depth guys.
0: Hey, Mel,
3: Brian here. Got to work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty.
5: Daddy. Hey, Mikey, if you're going to puke, find the popcorn bowl.
3: But my availability is one hundred and ten percent. Coincidentally so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh but I'm gonna get to that budget. Just as soon as I
6: Mikey, popcorn bowl. Press one to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as thirty minutes. Press two to keep working. Do not press two. Just use Instacart. Brian,
0: celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with hot buys, your choice of colors, starting at just three ninety nine. Ashley sleep mattresses starting at two fifty. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Tempur Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black. With 60-month special financing, only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why?
3: Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet
4: slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority
2: to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop
1: the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.
2: We're captains of their junior team, captains of their college team, things of that nature. Uh, So when when you need them, not only are you putting in good hockey players, but you're putting in winners of teammates as well.
4: Now, this is not as... uh crazy as asking a goalie to play forward or defense but what was the conversation with Zach Metzo when you said hey dude I need you to play forward and you're gonna be uh maybe even playing some center like uh, what was that like when you pulled him aside to tell him he had to play forward because you were short on bodies
2: well I think you know he just wants to be in the lineup uh he had to <laughs> put forward a little bit as freshman You're at Quinnipiac to stay in the lineup um, and obviously he developed into being what he was at Quinnipiac and their best player and their captain so um i felt that he was probably the defenseman that could best make the transition uh his skill set his intelligence and then what i've done over the last couple of years when we've been in this spot and we've had to do this with Nick Boca a number of times and mitch Elliott a number of times i think it's easier for them to play center and it, that sounds counterintuitive but one of the hardest plays for a forward is to get stuck on the wall with a rim and a defenseman pinching on them. Yeah. That's a play that a defenseman isn't in ever. Where at center, um, the D zone responsibilities of a center and a defenseman are almost identical. Um, so it puts them in a little bit more of a comfort zone from a defensive zone situation. And Zach Betts is such a smart occupier. He, the, his line was one of our best lines. Both games yeah. he played center. Um, it's funny that now we're going to put him in the bumper on the power play tonight because he looked so good at Ford Um, and and anything we can do to keep him in our lineup, uh, is, is a good idea for us as a coaching staff.
3: Amazing. He had such a great primary assist. He dropped the mitts after a, you know, kind of a cheeky hit on the, you know, on his teammate in the neutral zone. Like, Everything he does just oozes everything you've ever said about him, which is which is fantastic. Hey, not to give away state secrets here or anything, but like you're uniquely positioned to answer this. Um, and again, it goes back to Marty's question about the absence of Tage Thompson and if someone, in this case specifically Yuri, was called up. Like, what's been the benefit organizationally to have him playing center in the American Hockey League? but with a lot of people thinking that if he was to get recalled to the NHL, he would probably start on the wing. Can you take us through that?
2: Well, I, I, I believe, and and I started believing in this, like when I was at USA and I would do this with a lot of our players at the national program, if you can play all three forward positions, your, your odds of making the NHL increase dramatically. um, And then your, your ability to stay in the NHL because a lot of times when call ups happen, it's, we need a center, or we needed someone that can play the wall, uh, or we need a penalty killer, whatever that is. And and then and then once you get that shot, you can grow within that shot and 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 grow past just being a call up guy. But originally, a lot of times, it's a, it's a niche uh, that is needed to be filled. And so my goal with Yuri last year, put him on the wing early to lessen the burden of defensive expectation help him mature his game to, to be able to be a really good American leaguer, but then grow his game and add more defensive responsibility as the season went on. And, you know, credit to him, he's taken that. And I think people think he's a winger because he's got that shot and he's a shoot first type of player. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's been a better offensive player at center, even with all that defensive responsibility for us over the last you know, the end of last year and then the first part of this year. Uh, he gets the puck in motion. He he gets the puck with speed through the middle of the ice. Uh, and, and he's so dangerous uh, when he's at full speed. So uh, I think he has the ability to play both, but I'm less convinced now than I was nine months ago that he's going to be a wing in the NHL because he just might be a center in the NHL now.
4: Duffer doesn't want me to talk about turkeys anymore because we did so many of them this morning. But I'm going to ask you who's cooking the turkey next week in the control center that you guys have in Rochester with Vinny and, uh, you know, everybody. So who's who's in charge of the turkey
2: Uh, at the ranch Uh, at the ranch?
4: Yes. That's what you should. That's what you call it, the ranch.
2: Vinny and Amir and Tones. Yeah, we are roommates. Uh, So they're they're like our children at the ranch. So. (laughs) um, it's, uh, it's great. We did that with Webby last year. It's, it's actually a lot of fun and, and helps the staff camaraderie. And I think the staff camaraderie helps the player camaraderie. So, um, I'll, be you're, st- you're doing the Turkey, your stuff in no, no. the Turkey. I'll be sneaking over to, uh, Nisky the, the town we lived in when I coached RPI, my, my wife and uh. go there and see family friends. So, I'll be doing a quick little day trip over to Niskayuna. um, And I doubt that Amir is going to do it uh, because I don't think that's in the (laughs) skill set. So, uh, but, but we'll see where that goes.
4: Hey, that's (laughs) where the 20 pounds of lunch meat duffer would come in handy. You just, everybody makes sandwiches with Turkey, like lunch meat. As long as you
3: make the best gravy ever. Yes. No one would notice the difference (laughs) a hundred percent. Seth, thank you as always for the time. Good luck tonight. And uh, in Cleveland twice against the monsters this week.
2: Thanks for having
3: me on, guys. Seth Appert, head coach of the Emirates. We'll have hockey insider Darren Dreger
2: next on Sabres.
1: We're back with more of Sabres Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close.
3: They say he needs no introduction, but we'll do it anyway. Darren Dreger, hockey insider from TSN, in his regular slot here on Sabres Live. Hi, Dregs. how are you? I'm doing well, fellas. How are you? Well, I'm still a little miffed at the, uh, you know, artwork, if you will. that We came up with post-show last week when we had envisioned you years and years down the road, well (laughs) into retirement and, you know, (laughs) promising not to shave or cut your hair. And I was looking at it going... I'm like that picture. Like the dude looks younger than he does now. So I want to see like old man Drager. They were very kind <laughs> to you on social. Let me just say that. So yeah, I didn't follow along.
5: I was I was fearful. <laughs> I didn't know what was coming. Yeah, back in the day when you had certain pictures and all those things, I do not want any of that kind of nonsense to surface, let alone some of the new fabrications that could exist.
4: Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you comment on it, then it's going to spread like wildfires yeah, yeah, exactly. and, you know, that quick that goes. So you don't want to go there. <laughs> hey, how about rumors that uh, yeah. are spreading quickly? Patrick Kane yesterday, we asked our fans like fill in the blank. Who's going to fill in the Tage Thompson production with the Sabres. And it was a lot of internal mm-hmm. things, Dylan Cousins, Casey Middlestat, Eric Kulik possibly. Uh, But Patrick Kane's name was mentioned a few times. Um, I just yeah. want to know this is uh kind of crunch time for uh for you know whatever yeah. prime time they call him right so it's crunch time yeah. for prime time here with Patrick Kane
5: yeah no doubt about that and and we know that the Buffalo Sabres are are one of the teams that is most interested in Patrick Kane and and there's a number of them it's 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 not a few uh, you know Pat Brisson who represents Patrick Kane uh, wants to get through the process and get it below 10, so around eight. They may they might even be at that stage now as we're having this conversation on Thursday, to a point where they can make a decision on where Patty Kane is going to return to the National Hockey League, maybe as early as next week. Uh Buffalo for sure is is a contending team. I look at Detroit, who are part of the global series, you know, taking on the Ottawa Senators and Sweden right now is another option. I'm not going to list them all because, in fairness, we're probably missing a contending team. You know, it depends on what that contract is going to look like. But I'm not going to lie to you guys. As soon as I saw Tage Thompson go down the other night, I'm like, ooh, I wonder if that is going to have any sort of negative influence on the Kane process because, you know, Patrick wants to win too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he, he could come in and potentially replace some of the offense that you're going to miss while Tage Thompson is away. But you know, does he really want to come into a situation where the best player for the Buffalo Sabres is is out for an extended period? And the answer to that is there's no concern in Buffalo because Tage Thompson, yeah, long term is a few weeks at least, but we're not talking about months here. So That's the upside and that's the reason that there's still a lot of belief in Buffalo that they might be able to get it done. But Kane and Brisson are interviewing coaches and general managers this week and that'll carry through likely the weekend.
4: I'm not going to say it's uh, equipment related. We all saw that Tage blocked a shot and everybody's got shorter gloves now. And, you know, like 20 years ago, you had the long cuffs and, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, cut proof under government now and everything yeah. Um, does the league have to kind and teams internally have to look at everybody's set up players, uh, shot blockers, yeah. neck guards, wrist guards, all of that to make sure that, you know, things like what happened to Tate Thompson or yeah. even worse, um, don't happen.
5: Well, why wouldn't you, I guess would be the question I would ask if, you know, I'm a general manager or head coach, You know, I would want my players as comfortable but as protected as they possibly could be. Ray Ferraro, our buddy, uh, reminds me when we talk about especially hand injuries uh, and lacerations like we saw last year with Evander Kane in Edmonton. Wayne Gretzky, the greatest player of all time, had no problem wearing the long gloves. Yet somewhere along the way, be it through college, be it through major junior hockey, whatever your feeder stream was, it became fashionable because it's more comfortable and you feel like you've got more mobility in your hands and in your wrists to wear the shorter cuffs. Um, That would drive me bonkers. If I were a general manager, maybe even more importantly, an owner, because when your top players are, are going down because of a slash or a block shot or worst case scenario, the laceration, like we saw Kane go through that, that seems to me to be avoidable, but that's the beginning. Where is the end? You know, I just had a communication with somebody who's part of the uh, safety, the Joint Safety Committee with the NHL and the PA, talking about the presentation that was made earlier this week to the NHL about the custom resi- cut-resistant products that are out there. And, yeah, now we're we're fixated on the neck because we lost Adam Johnson, and we should be, and we should continue to have these conversations. The presumption is that the majority of NHL teams – not players just teams are at least test driving the neck protection in practice but they don't have the the league doesn't have a handle on how many players are actually using them in games and whatnot and it it feels like before we're talking about something more significant we've got to get a beefier percentage of players actually embracing and using the cut resistant product and i'm not so sure we're ever going to get there
4: so when i was with the rangers ryan callahan duffer and drags broke his hand blocking a shot and the next day glenn Seder, first of all made everybody wear extra padding on their gloves the trainer worked overnight to make sure yeah, every yeah. pair of glove had extra padding and then he brought in a pair of Wayne Gretzky Haspeler gloves and yeah. he gave them to Derek Stepon and he says you're practicing with those today because look <laughs> at the difference they had the cuff was like literally eight inches long like covering oh, yeah. the whole forearm and Step couldn't handle the puck he couldn't stick handle he goes those things are so stiff and Glenn Sitter was like if it was good for Wayne, should be good for you. Well, unfortunately, guys didn't follow in that. But that's the same no. thing you're talking about. Same thing with Carlson got his Achilles cut. Glenn, yeah. Glenn Sitter came down and was like, "I want everybody with cut-proof socks." You know yeah. that guy in in Ottawa, and he actually said Quebec City, or like Glenn. There's no team in Quebec City anymore, <laughs> but that's okay. It's slats. You're just being hammering slats.
5: slats right now. <laughs> but it was
4: he was just like he wanted things to happen. He wanted his yeah. players protected. And that's what he did. Um, yeah. talking about slats, GM's meeting, are we gonna <laughs> get a shot clock in overtime? Like or is there are they trying to to tweak that overtime so players don't take the puck out of the zone?
5: Yeah, I, I mean there's a couple of scenarios that they are talking about. And what's most interesting about this, because I've been down this road so many different ways with the National Hockey League and GMs over the years, that when this stuff surfaces it is because they're talking about it. Doesn't mean that it's anywhere near a point of of introduction. But what we know historically, especially in the last, maybe going back to two thousand five, when they they made all the significant changes, obstruction was essentially eradicated from the game, or more or less anyway. Uh, is that coaches coach more than ever not to lose. So you knew that even though you embrace something as gimmicky as three on three to try and, you know, curb the, the, the influx of of shootouts that eventually NHL coaches were going to coach defense into it. That was going to become a strategy. And really that's what's happened now. Right? So I think it runs twofold. I think it's, you know, the, the NHL general managers, the decision-makers, having those conversations about making sure the entertainment value of three on three is observed, but also making sure that the shootouts don't go up because yeah. nobody wants that other than maybe commissioner Bettman who, you know, seems to think that the skills competition is unbelievably exciting and entertaining.
3: Watch every time it happens, every single person in the arena is on their feet. The only people that are wrong about this are media types. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you like the so you're saying you like the shootout? That's I love the shootout. It. I've loved it since it was in the Olympics in the early 1900s. Yeah. So, well, you know what? That's for
5: it's that's for the all star the skills competition. That's what that's no, it's for. not. It's the subtle yes, it games. No, just add another five minutes of three on three games will get wow. so we can tore ourselves to
3: death by backtracking in our own zone.
5: Well, that's <laughs> why we're talking about the changes that they're going to incorporate here.
0: <laughs>
4: uh, I'll say this.
0: I don't want to
5: see a
4: shootout every game. I don't want to like flood the games and the schedule with shootouts. Right. But I think a shootout once in a while is exciting. I think to, to, you know, if I watch games at night and there's a minute left in overtime and it's three, three, I'm like, Oh, it may be a shootout. Like I get excited with that. Now, if it was every game, it would lose a little bit of its luster. And right now I don't feel like we are flooding the the schedule with shootouts. So, um, well, there could I, be
5: an uptick, and I just say that because that's that's why 3-on-3 three three was adopted, right? was because oh, yeah. they were worried about the fact there are too many shootouts.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, would, would a shot clock work better for shootouts just so that we don't have, <laughs> like, the Kuznetsov slowing down, like, to a crawl? Like, that, that to me, would be better adopted in shootouts uh, yeah. as opposed to 3-on-3 three three overtime.
5: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, you know, but again when when this stuff is brought up and we debate it, as we are here today you know then I go back to the Colin Campbell's and and you know again the the hockey decision makers and I get the old cliche look we're trying to fix something that isn't broken you know we're not going to incorporate a knee-jerk decision or try and fix something that doesn't need it so let's just pump the brakes but they do it with a purpose the reason we're talking about this is because that information was leaked out to gauge reaction not duffers right not for media people but to just see what the the mass reaction would be if they ever got to a point where they felt like they did have to do something with overtime was there hey, anything else about, sig- sorry
4: uh what do you think about having instead of a gm meeting having a uh, Um, a media meeting where we actually like Duffer and INU dregs and we yeah. go down to, you know, Florida or Arizona and we have a three day, like, you know, where we workshop things and we bring up rules. Yeah. Like I think we'd, it'd be better okay. than the GM. I think it'd be fun. It
5: Well, okay. And you're, you're kind of saying that tongue in cheek because you know that, Nine times out of 10, when we go to these things, it's a boondoggle and we're sitting in the sun and just enjoying ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, there's a little bit of lobby trolling and all that. That's fine, too. But the (laughs) NHL, not long ago, um, used to invite the media into the boardroom at the conclusion of the meeting. And it was incredibly useful, um, especially if they had introduced a rule change or... You know, there was some sort of play that, you know, director of officiating Stephen Wacom had to explain, like some sort of trend in the National yeah. Hockey League. They'd bring us all into that boardroom. We'd sit around that U-shaped table and they'd show us the video examples. And then you'd have a full Q&A. And it was it was it was terrific. It was pure education. Um, but I don't think they're coming to us in the media anytime soon looking for any sort of brainstorming <laughs> ideas.
3: Uh, Speaking of the trolling concept, um, there was some being done a while back as to the future of the draft and, you know, where it would be and whether it would be NFL style. Where are we at with that?
5: Well, they haven't formally announced it yet, but just based on the feedback that the NHL received from the 32 members, the 32 teams, it was overwhelmingly in favor of decentralizing. Um, And that doesn't surprise me because at the end of the day, just basically to facilitate the the television networks, you know, the season has to extend to a certain period. And that's late into June. When you get into late into June, guess what's coming right after late into June in the draft? That's July 1st and free agency. So it's become onerous for the hockey operations departments of all 32 teams to bring everybody to the draft location and then turn around and quickly get back. So you can focus on, on free agency. So you'll still have that host draft city. Um, but the majority of the hockey operations department will remain in their own city so that they can do both the draft and then look forward to what free agency is going to look like. I, in answer Duffer, I, I don't, I don't know why it hasn't been formalized yet. It's a little bit strange. Maybe it has to clear through the sea, uh, through the the players association, but based on, on those in favor, I don't think that it's going in. Like, I don't think it's going to be dismissed. I think they're moving forward with it.
4: I would like to combine the draft weekend with the formula one race in Vegas, and we can all be there and kind of enjoy the party again, get the media together. It's a boondoggle. Just like you said, (laughs) Dregs, I love it.
5: (laughs) I'm all for it. More time in Vegas,
3: more time in Florida. I'm all in. Dregs, thank you for bringing the sunshine as always. We will see you next week here on Sabres Live.
5: You guys have a great weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you too.
3: We're back after this.
1: Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close.
3: A couple of minutes to go on the heels of Darren Dreger's segment, so we may as well just dovetail off of that conversation and lead into this or that with, should the NHL? Should they not create a rules change to create more offense in overtime? No, I'm saying this or
4: that. No, I look, overtime is fine. And teams are going to, whatever you throw at them, teams are going to find a way to counter it and to work around it. So if you throw a shot clock or if you say you can't counter, they'll figure it out and they'll find a way to be more effective. So I'm going to say no. Uh, Quickly, Duffer, I'm going to ask you this or that on my own. Many people, many people are saying they don't even know that the uh, Ottawa Senators and the Detroit Red Wings are playing at two o'clock this afternoon. Premier games. okay? if you're going to do them, this or that, do them at the start of the season or during the middle of the season, this or that start or middle. Isn't it called the Global Series? Global Series, not the Premier Games. Thank you for correcting uh, my Premier.
3: That was me delaying the answer to to feign interest in any of this of which i have none this is not a reflection of what the league is attempting to doing to be doing um this is just me like i have less than zero interest in games being played outside of their Traditional markets.
4: If it was just a two o'clock game on a Thursday afternoon, I'd say, "Oh, great afternoon!" Which hockey, Toronto let's does watch
3: it here? They because it's the next gen game and it's yeah. all technologically. But now enhanced. it's billed
4: as a this is a special game. It's a special event, okay. and and I'm like, oh no, I don't want to watch it because yeah. it's not a special event. It's just a regular season game.
3: If they were legitimately pursuing expansion in one of these European cities, yeah, boom, I'm all over it. But I've been hearing that for over 30 years.
6: So (laughs) we'll see you tomorrow on Sabres Live.